Well, I'll give you a little warning this morning. Uh, today's going to be a little bit shorter than normal. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit shorter in my message so that we can end early and spend a little time connecting together. Uh, and so that's, that's the plan for this morning. Um, so it won't be, uh, it'll, it'll just be a, a quick two hours. It'll be great. You guys will love it. <laughs> so I'm just going to fly through. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would be brave enough to admit that you watch reality TV shows? Anybody out there? Okay, some people are enthusiastic about it. All right. Wasn't expecting that. Uh, reality TV shows. Yes, I, uh, I admit I've watched my fair share of a few. I've watched American Idol, The Voice, those kind of things. Uh, personal favorite will still be Survivor. Um, I've even been known to watch a little Alaskan bush people at time. Uh, and because I love my wife, I watched The Bachelor and The Bachelorette with my eyes closed. So I uh, do what I can. But in 2002... There was a, a, a reality TV show that came out, and actually, here's crazy, it's still going on. I was shocked in first service to find out that most people have not heard of this, uh, but it's a real show called MTV Made. Has anybody heard of that show? Okay, good. All right, great. Culturally relevant people. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. So, um, MTV Made was a show that came out a long time ago, and here's the idea, here's the premise of it. The premise of it is they'll take a young per- a person, a, a high school senior, maybe a, uh, someone just entered into college, and they're going to make them. They want them to be made into whatever they've dreamed to be made. So, they get this made coach, a coach that comes in and then will kind of like care for them and dress them up and prepare them for what they've always dreamed that they wanted to do. Uh, this is crazy. I had never heard of the show until we actually had a student in our youth ministry who was on it. And she had a dream, uh, as crazy it was, to be in the, a WWE wrestler. That's what she wanted to be. She was a skinny, petite little gal, but she wanted to be a wrestler. Um, and so they literally had the show come. They followed her around. They had her become a wrestler. They gave her an outfit. She got in the ring. She had a partner. They wrestled uh, in front of like huge audience. It was crazy. And, and, and she never went on in a career um, and, and whatnot. But, uh, but we literally, that's how, that's how I got connected to this show. And again, the premise of the show is to make people in to what they think they want to be. The premise of this series that we're starting right now is to remind us of who God already says we are. That's the whole goal, okay? That's the whole goal. My goal is to encourage you throughout this series. I want to encourage you because oftentimes when we talk about a series on identity, we talk about our lack and how we need to make up and be better at this and better at that. This time, I don't want to do that. I just want to encourage you in who God has already made you to be and to embrace that. King David, the shepherd, the poet, he wrote this in the psalm. Uh, He said this, for you... And he's talking about God. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I thank you. I thank you, God. Why? Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I love those words, fearfully and wonderfully. Uh, it, It brings me to my first point. Here's what it is, and I'll explain and unpack that verse. The first point is this. God made you and thinks you're awesome. And you're laughing at that. And I knew you might do that because it's very junior high-esque. It's like, I'm not back in youth ministry, but truly God made you and he thinks you're awesome. And scripturally speaking, he thinks you're awesome. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. We kind of understand what the word wonderfully means, but fear has, has two meanings when it's used inside of God's words. One, 
is that you're scared of something, right? We get that. So God didn't make us and form us and then was freaked out by us, right? Maybe some of us, but not all of us. God made us and formed us and then he stood in awe of what he just made. He thought we were awesome. He thought, he was blown away. Have you ever made something and you're like a a food and then you eat it and you're like, man, that was amazing. God did that. He made us and he steps back and he's blown away at what he created because we are made in the awe-inspiring image of God himself. And so God made us and he thinks we're awesome. If you think of the most majestic river or the most beautiful sunset you've ever seen, or the, the, the greatest mountain range that you've ever seen in a picture, God thinks you are more wonderful than that. He thinks you're more awesome than that. In fact, there are no words. He just sits there, takes your breath away. He takes our, we take his breath away, and he stands in awe of us. For me, that moment happened when we first had my first daughter, Paisley. How many of you, if you were a parent and you've held your kid for the first time, that is an awe moment, Right? So small. It's a scary moment, but it's an awe moment. And after you wipe, wipe the slime off, right, you're just like, oh my gosh, this is insane. And when God created us, he did the same thing. He has us in his hands, and he's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You got to see this. Holy Spirit, get over here. Look at this one. You know, Jesus, come on. Looks just like you, right? How incredible is that? He thinks we are amazing. And so when he finished making us, he said what? He said, it's good. He says, you're good. And you may be here and you may think, I'm not good, Jake. You don't know me. Oh, I'm telling you what the Bible said. And the Bible is true in this sense. You are good and you may feel like you're not. Or maybe you've done things that have caused you not to be good. But through the grace and mercy and the blood of Jesus Christ, we are made good again. We are made new and so too often what we do when we talk, think about our identity or when talks like this are done, we tend to think of what we are not, what we lack, what we are missing, what we can improve on. What I want to focus and zoom in on is what God already says that we are, how he made us to be. And so what's really cool is that in the Bible, there are a few word pictures that he gives, kind of like these images used to describe how he sees us. For example, uh, there's sheep. He describes us as precious sheep, and he says that he would leave the 99 to come find the one, and that the one is you. And God cares about you enough to leave the 99 and go after you, because sheep, what do they do? They have a tendency to wander. And then he says that we are like his personal masterpiece, that he thinks we're beautiful. And sometimes we just look in the mirror, and we're like, we don't see beautiful, right? We see the receding hairline. We see the wrinkles that are coming up. We see the love handles. But Jesus says we're a masterpiece, love handles and all, right? At least that's what my wife says. So we're good on that one. He actually says in the Bible that we're an intricate branch and that we are connected to him in a very special way. In other words, we're an extension of God himself and his reach. He makes these little word pictures in here. And so today what I want to zoom in on is a very one that that I love is the one about clay. God calls us clay is what he does. In fact, throughout the Bible, he references us as clay. He says that Job says we were formed from clay. Uh, Second Corinthians, it says we are jars of clay, but probably the best one is where the prophet Isaiah says, we are the clay. So I am the clay, you are the clay. And you, speaking of God, are the potter. 
we are all the work of your hands. So this is what God says we are. He says we are a lump of clay. It actually says in Job, we were formed from this. This is where we came from, a lump of clay. And I, I don't know how many of you have taken ceramics. Any of you taken ceramics when you were in school? Yeah, the, the process of making a pot is still the same process that it was thousands and thousands of years ago. You still take a lump of clay, you still set it smack dab in the middle of the wheel, because if you don't put it in the middle of the wheel, what happens? It spins out of control and flops, right? So you put it in there in the middle, and then you start to form it. You start to give it shape. And obviously, this is what God does to us. He forms us. He moves us into this. He makes us into, you know, maybe you were like me, and you tried to make a bowl for your mom, and it ended up being an ashtray, you know? <laughs> because it fell over. Maybe that's just from Eatonville. That's all, I don't know. Maybe that's just where I grew up, because everybody smokes out there. So, um, but he forms us, right? And it's on this wheel, and it spins around. You got to put it in the middle, and I was going to give you an illustration and show you, like I was going to show a clip of Ghost from the 1990s, but I thought that might not be good. Um, So normally, there's just one potter at the wheel, just one potter at the wheel, and so, and you form this bowl, right? You shape this thing up, and, and at any second, it could flop over, and then it just turns into clay again. But where clay is the most useful, right? Where it is, the, where it is best, because I set clay right here, it does nothing. It does absolutely, in fact, here's what's crazy. Farmers avoid clay, and the reason they avoid clay is just about hardly anything grows from clay. The only place where clay is really useful and really is beneficial is in the potter's hands. It's in the potter's hands. It's in the father's hands. Otherwise, it's useful. We find our significance, our place is in the potter's hands, not my hands, and it's also messy, really messy. So, yeah, so here's the first thing. Why clay? Why would God choose to use clay? First of all, I think it's because clay is moldable. Clay is moldable. You got to check out this, this passage here in Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was a prophet way back in the day before Jesus came. And a prophet, maybe you've heard of them. They are these people that, you know, are supposedly tell the future. That's a small part of what they do. What they really do is they are a, an earpiece and a voice for God. They speak They spoke to Israel at a certain time and at a specific point for a certain occasion. And it's the same thing here. Prophet Jeremiah was spoken to from God about about Israel. And here's what it says. It says, this is, or the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. And God said, arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will let you hear my words. And what I find so interesting is he said, I'll let you hear my words. Last week, we talked all about hearing the voice of God, and what you'll find is that Jeremiah is going to go down to the potter's house, and he's going to see something, but yet from seeing it, he hears God's voice. So he uh, says, so I went down, and Jeremiah is talking about like in the third person right now, said, I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel, and the vessel or the pot that he was making. Uh, of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. So it was marred or it was not turning out like he had hoped. And it seemed good to the potter to do so. Then, after he saw this, then the word of the Lord came to me. O house of Israel, 
Can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the potter in the, like the clay in the potter's hands, so are you in my hands. Jeremiah was wanting to hear from God and he goes down and he goes to the potter's house and in there he sees this potter who's working on a pot in the midst of there and he sees it all of a sudden, just like if I were working it, it flips over. And so it's marred. It's not the way it's supposed to be. But because the potter is skilled, because the potter knows how to do this, how to work with clay, he starts again and he makes a new pot out of that clay. And what God is saying to Israel at this time is, I can do that with you. You are, you are moldable. You, you are made to be molded. You are made to be molded in this. You're made to be shaped. You're made to be reshaped and then shaped again. You are made to be formed. Friends, this process that God's saying it's not just for Israel, it's for all of us, is a process of sanctification, It's becoming like Jesus, and this process can very well be painful. And why is it painful? Because we're being pushed, and we're being stretched, and we're being formed, and we're being squished through circumstances. Circumstances will come inside of our lives, and we were like, God, why would you allow that to happen? Because he's shaping us. God, why would you allow me to lose this or to lose that? And he said, well, because he's shaping us. Or he's reshaping us. Or God, didn't I already learn that lesson? Didn't I already lose those expectations? Well, he's shaping us and reshaping us to be the way he wants us to be. And here's what's crazy unique about clay. Is it has these minerals, these elements. It's what makes it so unique. That when heat is brought to it, okay? When heat is brought to clay, these minerals come alive. They're activated. Something is triggered inside of the clay that hardens it or solidifies its structure. And it's the same with us. When we go through trials, when we go through struggles and painful situations, there are elements inside of us. The the heat that comes, the pain that comes, helps solidify us and define us. We are more defined by the pain we go through than the success that we've experienced. And so God truly does mold and shape us. And when the fire comes, it's hot, right? And we don't like to be reworked. But this process of being molded, although it is painful, it is God's proper process for us. And we are just to be wet clay inside of his hands. That's our place in the potter's hands. This process takes time right? The problem with that is that we get impatient. Maybe you don't get impatient, but I get impatient. I get very impatient. I want to be made now. I went and I looked and I called my mom this week and I asked her, mom, did I ever make something for you? And she did say, yes, you made me an ashtray once. And so, (laughs) which was great. Um, So she didn't have the ashtray. Apparently it wasn't that valuable to her. So she threw it away or lost it. Um, So I tried to look at any other things that I had. And I remember making clay out of a few things. And I did make, um, where is it at? Here it is. This right here. This little heart is what I made. You're like, oh, Jake, that's so sweet. Shush. Okay, so you have to make, in order to, to to do this, you had to make it hollow. So this is a hollow heart. That's like my heart, right? So it's a hollow heart made out of clay. It took me forever 
And if you know anything about me, I am a perfectionist. And so I was in like ninth grade and I'm working this thing and everybody else is done with their project in their class. But what am I doing? I am trying again and over and over and over again. And when everybody else is done and theirs is in the kiln and mine is still being formed, it's because I'm a perfectionist. God is a perfectionist with us. He wants us to be perfect. Why? Because Christ is perfect. He says, be perfect as I am perfect. This heart is not perfect right? But it's the best that I could do. And God is working on us, and he's doing the best that he can do. And what he can do is unbelievable. And so while we're in the, pot, the potter's hands, here's what I suggest, is that we would have patience in the process. This is so important, you guys. Have patience. Some of us, when we hit the heat or we get pushed on by circumstances or remolded, what we think is like, oh, I just got to jump out of the potter's hands because I'm done with this. No, we have to have patience in there. God's not done with us. He's not done until we step into heaven. Check out what the apostle Paul says. He says, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's his promise right there. God is not done with you. So I heard a preacher say once a long time ago, says, if you're not dead, God's not done, right? And if you're not dead, God's not done. He's still working on you. So in the meantime, or in this lifetime is what it is, we've got to trust the potter. We've got to stay in his hands because our place is in the potter's hands and clay is made to be molded. Clay is also useful. That's another property of clay is that it's useful. Paul says this, he said, uh, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, well, I don't feel very wonderfully made. You said, God looks at me and he thinks I'm awesome. I don't feel very awesome. I don't feel like I have what it takes. I don't feel like I'm enough. I don't feel like I have anything to offer. I feel like if I was clay, that I have fallen out of the potter's hands and I'm a lump on the ground that over time has just had a, it's dried out. And I have a hard heart and God can't do anything with me at this point. Here's what's crazy. As I was researching what to do with clay and the properties of clay, I found out if you have clay that has dried up, you know, from the sun and just sitting and it's just been sitting on the side there and it's like a rock, if you put it into water for two days, it becomes just like this. It's moldable again. And some of us, we're at the place where I'm just too dried up. God can't use me. I've had too many mistakes. Too many things have happened. He can't use me. Please hear me in this. God can use you. No matter how dry you think you are. The pain that comes, the tears that fall from our eyes, you need water to moisten us up. Sometimes that's what the pain is for. God can use you. No one is so spoiled. Nobody is so broken. Nobody is so damaged. You are enough. The unique shape that God is making you into. Years ago, I heard a story about a cracked pot. I love this story. It's about a water bearer who was walking in India and he had a pole and on each side he had two pots. One of the pots was perfect. The other pot had a crack in it. And so every time the water bearer would walk and go down to the, pick up the water from the river, he'd fill them up to the brim and then he would walk back and on his way back, unfortunately, because there was a crack in the pot, every time he got home it was only half the way full. And because this is a story that's made up, the, the, the pots can talk. And so, <laughs> and 
And so the pot that was perfect was so proud of himself. I am a good pot. Every time I come home, I am filled to the brim. I serve my master well. But the cracked pot was upset and he was bummed because every single time he tries, he can only do half what he's built to do. And so one day they're walking along the side and the pot decides to talk to the water bearer, right? The cracked pot. And he's like, I'm bummed. I want to serve you well and I can't. I want to. It's in my heart. It's in my desire, but I just don't have the ability. And the water bearer says this. He says, I want you to look at the path as we walk. I want you to look at your surroundings as we go and pick up the water this time. So he did. And he's looking at the water and he's looking at the path and he's looking at the, the, the way there. And he comes back and he's still only halfway full and he's still bummed. And he, he didn't catch what the guy was told him to catch. So the water bearer said, what did you see? And he said, well, I saw, you know, all of these, uh, all, uh, you know, I saw the trees. I saw the, the grass. He's like, did you see the flowers? He's like, what flowers? The flowers on the right side of the path. He says, I've known about your deficiency since you were created, but I used it to my advantage. And I planted seeds along the right side of the path only. So when we walk back down there, those seeds, you've been watering them every single day when we walk back and forth for the last two years. And I've been able to take those flowers and I've been able to grab them and I've been able to give them to people like my wife and put them in our household. And so you have done your job, and you have done your job well. And then the pot was pretty pleased with itself. <laughs> God can use you, because God can use cracked people. I even think God could use people on crack. I don't know, you know? <laughs> God can use cracked people. Look at the Bible, right? Look at every person that God has chosen to use. Moses wasn't a great speaker, it's assumed that he stuttered, but yet God used him to lead and be a voice to a nation. Jonah ran from God. Jacob was a liar. Noah was a drunk. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah was depressed a lot. David had an affair, right? He was the hero, and then he had an affair. Solomon was rich in wisdom, but poor in lifestyle. John the Baptist, he was just plain poor. Timothy was too young, Abraham was too old. Lazarus was too dead. <laughs> Sarah was barren, Naomi was a widow, Thomas doubted, Peter lacked self-control, and James and John were self-righteous. Paul talks about a thorn that was in his flesh that he prayed that it would leave and it never would. God uses cracked people and he can use you. He truly can use you. Whatever your so-called deficiency is, sometimes that's the thing that you need to lean into because God formed that for a purpose. There was a student that I knew since he was in junior high named Mixa. And Mixa, he has, well, he said it here, neurological brain disorder. He has Tourette's syndrome. And you would think growing up that that would hold this guy back. And to some degree, maybe it did. But I watched Mixa do amazing things in student ministries. When he grew up in, in, as, a, as a junior hire, then he became a leader to our students and a leader within our ministry. In fact, so what I did is I asked Mixa if he'd come and talk with us for just a second before we head on out. So would you welcome Mixa with me? 
a little dab there. You know, I know, I know, yes. Never, never uh, Mixa is a drama guy. I should have mentioned that right from the very get-go. No, so, he's lying. He's yeah. lying. Just kidding. So tell me a little bit um, about your Tourette's. <laughs> tell me um, yeah. what that... Because Tourette's, from what I understand, is different for um, different people. Yeah, so Tourette's, I mean, it's so <laughs> Jake described it perfect. It's a neurological disorder in the brain that causes you to tick and twitch at uncontrollable times. So I got diagnosed in 12th in grade, when I was 12 years old, and my mom has it too, so <laughs> it's hereditary. Uh, but basically, Tourette's looks different for a lot of people. So some people, I think the most common form of knowledge of Tourette's is, the, is the, just a huge, like, ah, uh, swear. I'm not going to swear in front of you right now, but it's like... <laughs> I mean, I'm tempted. So you're just going to I might just do us? it for fun. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but so that's the, the common Tourette's. But there a lot of common, a lot of Tourette's too is like little twitches. And like I used to hit my groin as hard as I could, which was a blast. And it felt great. <laughs> um, and so, but. I didn't just, think you were going to mention that part, well, but all right. <laughs> you took a risk with me getting me I on did, stage. I did, I did. But um, no, but so yes, yeah, so there's different types of Tourette's. And so I have actually both. So lucky me. <laughs> Um, I have corporalalia, which is a form of the verbal, and I, uh, I have the twitches as well, if you want to call them that. So it really ticks me off, to be honest. But, um, I didn't know you were going to go there either. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let me ask you this, Mix. Yeah. So we've known each other for years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if you would hang around Mix, you would find this to be true. So um, often you would see him and there would be twitches and people would wonder what in the world is going on. What I love about Mix is he's always been so open about it from the very, very beginning. I think something you said to me that I thought was crazy is all of our deficiencies, a lot of times we are in the inside and people can't see him. And yours is straight up on yeah. the outside. Super vulnerable. And yeah. so how, you know, when you were younger, how did you feel, did you feel like, um, like, God couldn't use you because of this crack, if you will, in yeah. who you were. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think it's, it's, there are moments, I think there's still moments, to be honest, where I'm like, oh gosh, like, since my deficiency or ailment or fun fact, or whatever you call it, is uh, so on the surface, everyone can see it. And it I, when I get on stage, too, I kind of get in the mode, so I don't take it and be like, this guy's normal. What are you talking no, about? No, that's truly amazing. You, yeah. This is amazing. What Mixa has done for years has been drama, and, <laughs> and he is an amazing drama guy. Um, but when he's on stage, and he would do improv, and he would do um, dramas that we would have on stage, never ticks when he's doing drama. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That, Swimming, sleeping, and drama is what I don't tick in. But... Um, <laughs> So I don't know what you can do with that. But basically, what you're saying is there are times where I felt that, okay, like, how am I even going to make it through the day, you know, because, Jake, come on, man. I don't know why I, I get nervous sometimes with it when I start to cry. I just <laughs> happens to start ticking, no. Um, but I actually had a tick where I poked my eyes for yeah. a season, and I tore my cornea wall, so I have mm-hmm. trouble seeing. But So I, there's been certain points in my recent life where I'm like, man, how am I going to do this? Like, how am I going to wake up and how am I going to drive my kids around when I can't see? Like, how am I going to, how am I going to like see my wife? Like, I don't want to lose my vision. Like, that's a very, very like important thing, you know? So I'm still scared. And there's been times where I was scared when I was younger, where it's like, you know, I didn't know how to, you know, function to where it's like, man, I'm hitting my groin or I'm, you know, doing these hoops and hollers and people are looking and it was, yeah, there are times where I, I felt like, oh gosh, how is, how am I going to even function? It's like, yeah. I just, I used to say to people, I'm just out here trying to function, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, be like, well, you're doing stuff. I'm like, I'm just trying to make it. So, yeah. 
But yeah, there are times for so sure. So how has, this is what I love, how has God used you, not in spite of, but in light of your Tourette's? Yeah. I just think like one of the coolest things about struggles and, and difficulties is that we're all, like you said, we're all cracked people. We're all broken people. And I think the beauty about brokenness is it, it, it can be used in so many great ways to heighten the Lord and what he's doing. And I think it's, I have developed this kind of, it's, I feel like it's all about identity and intimacy with Jesus. And I feel like with my, I feel like my Tourette's and my, my personal struggle, well, yours might be, look a lot different than mine. It probably does, most likely. Um, but it's brought, brought me closer to the Lord. It's given me a platform to, to really influence lives, even in our junior high ministry, that when we were, were search, when we were serving together. And it's given me this platform that doesn't look really pretty or doesn't look like normal, but it's given me such an opportunity to reach kids with, Tourette's or kids with struggles or depression or anxieties and gives me an opportunity to, you know, like you said, like when you're, when you're still, when you have breath in your lungs, there's an opportunity, there's opportunity out there. And so yeah. I'm not going to be defined by Tourette's. I'm Michael Mixa. And so I'm going to mm-hmm. use it for the Lord and to like, to help other people realize their identity and who they are and Lord, who the Lord's created them to be. Yeah. And they're not, the, they're, they're not their ailment, they're the Lord's and they're, so there's, there's okay. great things that can happen, so. I would say this about Mixa, that you can't see from 30 seconds from here, but every kid was drawn to him in the youth ministry. He was one of the most popular people that we've ever had to serve in that capacity. And in, in uh, student ministries, it's all about relational ministry. And this man was a master at it. Um, and he was able to help so many um, in one-on-one conversations that I know that you've had some, even some kids with Tourette's, but mostly just any kid that's struggling with anything or feeling they're not enough, Mixa was a huge inspiration. And I, there's no way to show you what he did, but just know that our kids and our students, hundreds and hundreds of students were impacted because of him, that he was brave enough, even in his cracked state, right, to glorify God and to serve him in that way. So, dude, I'm so proud of you, and thank you for coming and sharing. Thanks, so, guys. Yeah. Thanks, Love you, dude. Here's what I'd love to do. I'd love to invite Chris and John to come on up. Uh, they're going to play a song, and um, I'm going to ask if we could have a chance to respond in a different way than we normally respond. So you're not going to have to stand up. We're not going to sing again, but they're going to sing. Uh, and they're going to sing a song I asked them to sing, a song that I have not heard since I was truly when I was in junior high. Uh, it is a song, uh, what is it called here? Got to find it. I don't even remember the name. Change My Heart, O God. And some of you may know that song. I've asked them to try to take it out of the 90s and into our day and age now. But uh, here's what I want to do while they're singing this song about the potter and the clay, about how God has uniquely shaped you What is that unique thing that you could contribute to his glory and to his mission? Where are you cracked? Where you're like, hey, I don't know how this could work. I don't know what I can do. But like Mixa, you offer it freely and say, God, I don't know how it's going to work out, but let's just do it. And you throw yourself out there. And he literally would throw himself out there on stage. It was unbelievable. 
And so what I want you to do is you have paper in front of you and I wanna see if you could write down your crack. And here's why I'm having you write that down. It's because we would love you to just write it down, one, to think of it. What is it that God has done in me, uniquely shaped me to serve and to use him? And in these next three minutes while we sing this song or they sing this song, I want you to write that down because we're just still getting to know each other here, right? This is still, we're still just a year old as a church and we barely know half the people who are here right now. We're still trying to get to know people. So there's skills out there that we don't know of that you could use for the kingdom. And God can use you, whether you think he can use you or not. So what is that thing that he has uniquely shaped you to do? Maybe it's a handful of things. Write those down. Put your name and your email address and write down those things. And I'm not saying we're going to email you all back, but maybe every once in a while we will. You know, maybe there's something that you can do that you can uniquely offer where a situation comes up in the church and we're like, we don't know who could help. But then we find out, hey, maybe you can help. And so let's take the time right now and do that. And so as they sing this song, I would love you to write that down, offer it to the Lord for the use of his work. Because like David said, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. What are we made to do? To do good works. So let's serve him in this way.